Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash podcast and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash podcast. Let's get into it. Five, four... I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? These sick fucks you see one too many movies. Say it! Don't you blame the movies! Movies don't create psychos! Movies make psychos more creative! Hello, Horror Hounds, and welcome to the It Slays podcast. I'm bringing your sociology book to psychology class, Rowan. Hi, it's Azalea. <laughs> and it's stale highway gas station coffee, Mike. <laughs> and we are back, the first episode of 2020. It's almost been a year since we started the podcast. Almost. I was thinking about that the other day. I, I could we'll vomit. <laughs> Who would have thought that a year later people would still listen to us? That's a good question. <laughs> what are you guys doing with your lives? I mean, even I'm sick of me, so I don't know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully everyone had a good holiday, good new year. It's kind of weird. We said before we started recording that we're both recording like in new spaces. So hopefully everything ends up sounding okay. It's been a long time since we recorded. Yeah. Lots of change. Lots of change. Me and Exilia have our own place now. We no longer live in a one bedroom. 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 <laughs> like vagabonds. Yeah. I love the word vagabond. <laughs> it's such a pleasant word. Makes me feel real fancy. Very um, like Robin Hood. <laughs> I don't know. And I just love words that begin with V. <laughs> Very pleasing. Would you like to list off many viewers that you enjoy? I am not going to do that because (laughs) it's not going to be fit. That that will be a uh, side podcast. (laughs) Just Mike reading the dictionary. Just just the V section. Just the Vs. Just the Vs. I'm trying to think what's new. Yeah, we're in our new place. We have two new kittens. So any noise in the background is not our fault. It's our cat's fault. Unfortunately, poor Juicy... R.I.P. Passed away about a month ago, and yeah, so that was fun. <laughs> Don't I'm not laughing because it was actually fun, but yeah, yeah, it was pretty sad. But we have two new cats. We just got we two thought, days ago. We thought that was a good idea. And, uh, the apartment was way too quiet without cats, so good time. Now it's way too loud <laughs> all the time. Yeah, but they're sweeties. Well, you need two cats to make up for the fact that Juicy was. Full of Satan's power. <laughs> right? And uh, it was just, yeah. yeah. So so far, we uh, there's no signs of demonic possession or anything. Thus far. We definitely, they had the world's worst names at they the, the uh, shelter. They weren't the worst. It, they were named Crowley and Greta. Greta. Greta's all right. Now, Greta, I think, is probably from, like, Greta the Environmentalist, which, like, fair. But Crowley, should I tell the sad story? Alistair Crowley? Okay. No, that's what I was thinking. Oh, okay. No. I was like, that's actually really cool. <laughs> if people are don't like anything that are, is sad to do with animals, maybe like skip forward. <laughs> but basically, so when, well, Crowley, which is now church, um, was a little baby, uh, a farmer found him out on a field and he was like teeny tiny and they he's orange, so they thought he was like a baby chicken. But basically crows were were like trying to eat him and atta- like attacking him and stuff so he like saved him and like had to k- the guy had to like kick a crow and like so he saved him so they were gonna name him crow at the shelter but they're like no maybe we'll name him crowley instead but now he's church 
Yeah, so my one rule on new cat was that we got to name our one of the cats a cool horror name. So it took a lot of thinking, and then we landed on church. So Rowan got to na- pick one name, and I got to pick the other. So I picked for the other, Maud, after Maud Lewis, who is a folk artist. Well, she, not anymore. She's passed away many years ago, but she's a folk artist from Nova Scotia, and she's, like, one of my favorites. She's iconic. And, yeah, she's super iconic. And and Maud looks like a Maud. Like, it suits her. Very. And church looks like... like a church. <laughs> so Maud like is going to be, like, prematurely old, is what you're saying. <laughs> Pretty much. Church Church, church looks, looks like he just left Pet Cemetery. Yeah. He has, like, little hair growing out of his ears that's, like, whoo, like, flinging out of his ears. It's really cute. Why, so y'all didn't go with Damien, like... <laughs> didn't want no. to tempt fate, did you? <laughs> No. <laughs> so, question. Oh, yes, the question. I figured I needed uh, to come up with a question. So, I wanted to know your 2020 movie resolutions. Is there, like, certain kinds of movies that you want to watch more of in 2020? Is there certain movies you want to see coming in 2020? Uh, maybe, like, directors... Anything that you can think of that would be a resolution. I just, I've been really falling behind on my, you know, several years ago, you, it was just 24-7, you know, movies on loop, ones I haven't seen, ones I had, and, um, you know, every type of movie, like, kind of trash, um, you know, high art, you know from Sweden, <laughs> but uh, I've really fallen behind the last few years, not just on catching up with new movies, but on uh, watching all the classics and, you know, hidden gems from years past that uh, I normally would have kind of jumped at the chance to see and like maybe had like a viewing party with a few people like yourselves. Um, and I realized that, you know, I haven't, I haven't really been watching enough new movies lately. So I kind of figured this year I might just try to watch more and try to, you know, see things that my friends are giving um, good word of mouth, uh, you know, like Little Women, for example, or whatever. It's just, there's just so much out there that I'm, I'm missing out on. And I just I feel like I need to stop shutting myself off from film as much as I have been and get back in there. Jump in, jump in the fucking pool of lava. Why not? I've kind of made a few myself. Like Mike, I I kind of feel like I'm not watching as much as I used to. I'm watching more like TV series, things like that, which are great. And, you know, I love watching like great television shows. But, I mean, my passion's obviously like film. I enjoy kind of the beginning, middle, and end that I can complete in, you know, two hours or whatever. Uh, So it's definitely just watching uh, not just more film, uh, but maybe more dramas, stuff like that. Kind of not just watching horror or superhero stuff. And then I also have like kind of a horror resolution that I would like this year to watch some more horror films written and directed by women. Uh, and that's kind of, I'm going to actively look for that and see what I see and hopefully see some great films and who knows, maybe review a couple. I love that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so I guess mine would be to get kind of back into watching a lot more like independent films because I always used to watch independent films and then I got like, I've seen so much stuff on Netflix, which like there are some like gems and like independent to like big films on there. But I feel like for me, Netflix has kind of like run its course. A lot of the stuff they put up, I'm just like, I don't really want to watch that. I guess <laughs> independent films of like substance, I guess you would say. Um, and then I feel like this whole year I've pretty much only watched horror movies, which is fine. <laughs> but also, yeah, I'd like to like, also watch other things too. So we uh, kicking off this year with Mike's pick. We did something different. So I said this is the first episode of the new year. So we ended up releasing Black Christmas on that kind of New Year's Day, but that was recorded for Christmas. So this is our first episode we're recording in the new year. And I left off on the last episode. I didn't we didn't tell people what we were going to be reviewing. 
So it's a surprise to everyone. And it was Mike's pick. So, Mike, please announce it. It was indeed my pick for 2020, um, blessed be, is 1989's anthology film After Midnight. And boy, I feel like we have lots to talk about. So let's start by getting into the trailer and then we will come back with all the goodness that is listening to us talk, I guess. So let's get into it. Go ahead. Scare me. Are you afraid of a house? I thought you said there's nothing to worry about. I don't like this. Let's get out of here. I'm all alone here, and I don't think this guy's kidding around. What are you afraid of? I wonder if he really needs hedge clippers to chop off their heads. Come and get me. Alex! scared after i watched the trailer i wasn't quite sure where this movie was going because there were so many random there was like running dogs and like feel like there was like a head somewhere the trailer yeah the trailer (laughs) kind of threw me off I mean, these are things that are in the movie, so... It definitely is. I was just like, how did these go together? (laughs) Yeah, because we did watch the trailer before we watched the film. Yeah. Since, uh, because I don't know, were you watching a download copy, or... Yes. Yes. So I bought the Scream Factory. Of fucking course. Of it. So, and this Scream Factory is kind of their bear release. So all there was was an interview with the lead actress and the trailer. So we had said, well, we'll watch the trailer because, you know, I always stick the trailer in the episodes and sometimes we've seen it, sometimes we haven't. So, yeah, the trailer was, I liked it. It was, it was exactly, uh, once I saw the trailer, I'm like, of course Mike would pick this. (laughs) It's a very Mike selection. It is. I will agree. It's a signature Mike selection. In fact, how Criterions, when they come out and you buy them, they have like the sticker that's like director approved. approved, yeah. They need, like, Screen Factory needs to talk to you. So they have like signature Mike selection. Mm-hmm. I, I just need my own like imprint. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I don't know what it'd be called. I don't have anything witty off the top of my head, but it would just no, be like it's... trash can selections or something. I'm, I'm down with that. I am, myself am a trash can selection so it's fitting i'll take it listen it's, it's gonna be my namesake my baby so let's get into the imdb bio college class psychology of fear has a new scary teacher you have to feel fear to understand it one student pees himself the scary stuff is moved to the teacher's house when scary stories are told. I feel like that's the longest synopsis we've heard so far. It feels like a third grader about to have a stroke wrote this. <laughs> oh my god. I was going to say, it's They have like... to randomly insert that somebody pisses themselves. The <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really weird write-up. Because, yeah, it's probably one of the longer ones we've read. And it seems very detailed, but it isn't, isn't. really. It's just like random information. It's true. Three and like random Mike plot said, points, yeah. Yeah. Just so you know, there's pee. I'm sure if we looked up the keywords, peeing in pants would be <laughs> one of them. Um, Believe it or not, it actually didn't make the plot keywords. What? And I assumed there would be like, you know, self-urination, mullet piss or something like that in there. Because, <laughs> you know, they're always absolutely demented. But it was this was a very tame. There was only nine or ten uh, keywords. Decapitation. Things like that. I am glad that we get a little sneak peek at the beginning of 2020 of the return of Mike's keywords. Oh, yes. They're, they're going to make a comeback, trust me. When you least expect it. 
So, as always, before we get into uh, the meat and potatoes, let's talk about the directors, the cast. There's actually quite a bit to talk about with this little indie, indie delight. Yeah, weirdly, it's like studded with people and elements that uh, kind of rise it above its C-grade late 80s cable tv toss-off so directed by ken and jim wheats the wheats brothers and i was obviously i had did not recognize the name until i started looking into it and then i was like whoa these guys have like actually directed some stuff they've done some some great stuff Uh, so I had written down, to me, probably, in my opinion, which would be the most well-known, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Masters. One of my favorite films ever. The Fly 2. A movie that exists. <laughs> a, a movie that exists. They did a made-for-TV, uh, movie called Ewok, The Battle for Endor. I remember seeing those as a kid. They did, like, a bunch of Ewok mini-movies and stuff. Probably more in recent, I say recent with kind of quotations, uh, they wrote Pitch Black. Oh, yes. Uh, so, I mean, in that, that got in. Pitch Black, is that the one with LL Cool J? No, that no, had uh, how Vin dare Diesel. you? That was one of Vin Diesel's first oh. starring roles. Like, before anybody knew who he was, we were like... I don't think I've ever seen it. It is absolutely spectacular. It's one of those, like, I mean, you know, I guess r- shortly after that, uh, he really took off as, you know, like, kind of a more household name and an action guy. And they did several sequels to it, which, you know, were kind of big hits and uh, featured him more prominently. But the first one, it's just the pitch black, Nothing that mentions his character's name like the sequel did. It is this bizarrely underrated gem of like a sci-fi horror movie. Um, It's almost literally perfect. Like it's definitely probably Vin Diesel's greatest accomplishment as an actor. I was going to say like, I mean, it's kind of beloved enough that it makes its rounds on television like all the time now it's always on like tbs or i always see it i always see it like at work we have cable and televisions and like it's always on the television so who knows maybe someday we'll review pitch black Um, i was gonna not spoil it but that's definitely gonna be one of my picks so spoiler alert sometime this year Pitch Black is coming at you. 2002 or something. I think it came out like 2000. Yeah. It It was was 2000, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I vaguely remember it. It did spawn, like, I want to say at least two sequels in movies, but they did a bunch of video games that were really popular of it, too. Yeah. It was all based on Vin Diesel's character, who was really. I mean, he was a main character in the first one, but it didn't focus on him most of the time. You know, he was just sort of like in the background while other things were happening. Um, and then, of course, they're like, oh, look, this, you know, muscly guy who we can market <laughs> as an action star. Let's just make him the focus for the next four movies. And that's what I had written down for uh, the Wheats Brothers. So let's talk about some of the cast. So the uh, the film star- highlight star is uh, Jillian uh, Mc. Ritter? I think it's McWorder. Is it McWorder or McRitter? I don't know. I was going to say, it doesn't really matter, because when I looked at her filmography, the only movie I've seen that she's been in is Strangeland, which was uh, D. Schneider's horror film and comic that he made. So I oh, thought Oh, I forgot that, that even existed, actually. <laughs> I used to own it on... I think I still have it on uh, DVD. But apparently she was, like, one of the stars of that. And other than that, like, you know, she just kind of did, like... She'd be in an episode of, like... Murder, She uh, or something. <laughs> of murder, yeah, something like that. <laughs> just on television. Uh, so, I mean, I have a whole list that we can talk about. Jeez, I'm trying to think... Let's go with, um... Rami Zanda, I think is how he says his last name. He plays the professor. So I didn't recognize him, but apparently he was in like multiple episodes of Dallas and Melrose Place. 
Ooh, Melrose Place. My mom and I used to watch Melrose Place when I was a kid. I mean, it makes sense to me. Like, most of these, I assume most of these people were, like, soap opera, TV people. Uh, Then we have... Hopefully, I, I, why do I always murder people's names? I feel like it's my job on the podcast to just ruin it. Uh, then we have Judy, is it Aronson? Aronson? Aronson sounds right. Aronson. So she is actually, I did recognize her. Uh, she's from Friday the 13th, final yes. chapter. I find that you, you recognize the face, but. Uh, to me, her voice more than anything makes me think of the other horror movies she's been in. She's got that kind of like hu- bit of a husky voice and you really remember it. It's it's very unique. It was a lot. To me, it was the faces. It was like a lot of faces I recognized. Yeah. And I was just like, I who are these people? I know I know these people. She was also in Weird Science and she was also in Beverly Hills 90210. Like we said, we weren't wrong to assume they were in a lot of like drama soap opera. Yeah, I was going to say we're stuff. Getting all the uh, late 80s, early 90s uh, soap opera, primetime soap opera, like, gems here now. Uh, the one that only gets one shout-out, but I thought it was a pretty badass credit, was uh, Tracy Wells. She wasn't really in much, but one of her, her very first credit was playing a schoolgirl in the original Gremlins. Good for her. I thought that was a pretty tough, uh, pretty tough thing in your filmography now i know mike would if i didn't bring it up right away mike would be very angry with me um yes you know i'm itching here (laughs) penelope sudro yes was in this who was the one i immediately recognized and i was like i didn't even have to think about really where she's from because the minute i saw her face all i thought was welcome to prime time Time, bitch bitch. (laughs) You see your face and then you picture it getting smashed into a TV. (laughs) (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which another movie I know Mike adores. Yes, it's it's my everything. (laughs) If I could take one movie to the afterlife with me to watch over and over, (laughs) it would be that one. That is one of the better ones, so I don't disagree with that. And it's funny that, you know, this movie has two consecutive Nightmare on Elm Street uh, connections. You know, we've got her from number three and then Ken and Jim Wheat who worked on the screenplay for part four. So Yeah, well, well I thought it was interesting because on the, so the only other feature on the Screen Factory disc was an interview with the uh, Jillian woman and she was talking about how she was actually starring in a McCormick film before this that the Wheat Brothers were directing, and they literally just brought the entire crew over to do this movie. Oh, wow. So a lot of this crew was filming. I I can't remember the name of it. It wasn't like a big film, Uh, but she just said they were doing this McCormick movie. Anyway, let's get into the rest of them. Mark McClure's in this. I thought that was big. I mean, it's a thing. It's a thing, I guess. (laughs) Listen, you know I can't get uh, excited about dudes. (laughs) They're so boring. (laughs) So he played Jimmy Olsen in Superman 1 to 4 with Christopher Reeves. He also played Jimmy Olsen in the uh, Supergirl movie from the 80s. The greatest of all the Super X films. And he had a cameo appearance in the Justice League movie from a couple years ago. He did. I forgot about that. And he also played uh, one of the McFlies in Back to the Future 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. So uh, he had a couple couple big ones. That's some good nerd cred right there. Oh, yeah, exactly. And to me, probably the two biggest actresses in this uh, was... Marg Helgenberger. Lover, queen. That's who Exilia <laughs> noticed the right away. person I recognize in this whole movie. What? Yeah. So, obviously, <laughs> everyone, including Exilia, recognizes her from CSI. CSI, yeah. For, like, ten but years. But she's done so much. I mean, her horror cred, hello, mm. Tommyknockers, like... The Tommyknockers, she was in Species 1 and yep. 2. Uh, she was in Bad Boys... She was in Aaron Brockovich. She's got one underrated um, ginger, I gotta say. (laughs) She definitely uh, has some hits under her belt. But possibly the one person that has more hits under her belt. Mike? 
Oh, you better be talking about Miss Pamela Adlon, <laughs> a.k.a. <is> Bobby Hill. <laughs> Bobby Hill from King of the Hill. Louie. Louie, the voice acting alone, the yeah, credits her, are crazy. It's like hundreds and hundreds. Adventure Time, she plays Gunther in Adventure Time. Like, she is a voice actor, like, legend. Yeah, Rugrats. Who is this person? In the movie? She's the uh, brunette friend of the main girl. When they're going oh, to class? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Yeah, like, let me name off a couple more. Bobby's World, Recess. She did uh, Spag... What's that kid's name? Spagnoletti or... What? Spinelli? Spinelli. Spagnoletti. Sp- <laughs> Spagnoletti. She's also in, like, most of the seasons of Big Bang Theory... Bob's Burgers. In, yeah, Bob's Burgers, Grease 2. Yep, she has her own series now, Better Things. Yes, I, I was going to say Better Things. And obviously, like Mike said, King of the Hill is is what I think she's most known for. Yeah, and it's funny because she is one of these people, and X's comment about her actually sort of like hits right on the nose because she is one of these people who has an insane career like just decades long is in everything voice acting like live action you look at her credits and it's not just like one you know episode of some random tv show in the 90s like she's literally in everything and like does voices in everything and nobody knows who she is underappreciated she's so good too like she's so fucking charismatic like i just we appreciate her yeah good So let's get into it, and we're going to start off with favorite scenes, as always. I want to kick it to Exilia, because I see a a smile on her face. You do? I do. What was your favorite scene? (laughs) Um, I don't know yet. (laughs) I keep forgetting we do these segments. You guys go first. All right, Mike, we'll go to you. Um, okay, it's, there was a couple, but, um, one scene that I liked and it's hard doing a scene and something that's comprised of like the shorts but one of my favorites is always um in the last segment when um Marg Helgenberger is doing her like uh answering service job and she's in that like dark little room and like plugging in the things and get the creepy phone calls and you know, is there by herself and it's at night and it's just so moody and atmospheric and like there's something just so late 80s, early 90s about it. And I've just always really enjoyed that. Um, Weren't you also like an operator before? Yeah. And yes, I was. <laughs> I've I've literally been in her position. Now, it wasn't plugging shit in from like the 50s, but you know, I did the work all night, you know, midnights and in the building by myself, except for a security guard. Actually, that's probably I never even thought about that actually because <laughs> i haven't seen this movie in years but uh yeah i used to literally be mark helgenberger mark it down like mike was mark <laughs> like <it's... laughs> that that one really connected with you it did even before i guess maybe when i saw it when i was a youngster i knew that one day i was going to be connecting calls in a building by myself at night <laughs> for a bunch of fucking degenerates. <laughs> I was going to say, too, as we talk about our favorite scenes, I don't know if we explicitly said that this is an anthology film, if you haven't gotten that yet. So there is multiple stories and, like, one overarching story to tie everything together. So if you're a listener and for some reason you... Listen to these episodes. I'm looking at you, Cecily, and don't watch the movies. That's you're gonna be very confused. You're gonna be very confused. Very confused. Probably no more than usual, though. Yeah, exactly. I guess my favorite. Sorry. No good. <laughs> I don't know if this really like counts as a favorite scene, but I was kind of like it was more like what? Oh, that's interesting. When the dogs are like chasing the girls, and after they've like killed the girl. And the friends are like, see ya. Like, I'm just gonna fucking leave <laughs> you here. Love that scene. <laughs> and then they, like, go to that warehouse and they blow the dogs up. I was just like, they do it with such ease. Just, like, blowing dogs up. I just thought that was so, like... And, like, piecing out on their friend who's, like, I know. mauled by dogs in the middle of the road. <laughs> I know. I Although, to like, be okay. fair, I, if I was in their place, 
I probably would have, like, said, oh, well, she's dead, and she, like, starts going, no, I'm not, it's like, she's dead, guys, let's get the fuck out of here, because she was so fucking annoying, I would have just been, like, she was super annoying, I was just, yeah, literally throw her to the wolves. I was gonna say, I can imagine, like, not even seeing the dogs yet, and Mike would just already have her out of the car, like, oh, she's gone, guys. Well, there, there was actually a moment when Penelope Sudro got in to drive, and then she went in to get in on that side, and she's like, no, go over to the other side. And I can picture her, like, going, lock the door quick. <laughs> <laughs> Just go. Yeah. She's I like, mean, oh, this... bitch, I'm not letting you in the driver's side. And this girl's the dummy that got out. So, she, I don't know. She was just, yeah, she was super annoying, too, so. And I hated her jacket. <laughs> I don't remember. I was not I vaguely remember it. The truth comes out. That's where all this hate for her is coming from, Mike. Yeah. Is she that damn jacket. A horrible ensemble. And the other ones were dressed really nice, so, you know. Except for that frilly jean skirt, anyway. Almost made them get murdered by that guy. Oh, also, that guy was um, freaky. Side note um, for anybody who's keeping track, we're going to say side cast number 17, the names that Roe has mangled in this movie. <laughs> Mark it down, everyone. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's another. That's another podcast. We've Side got five cast, entries. This says. this cast alone. <laughs> oh, I murdered them. I absolutely murdered them. And I I like it because I know that you just don't crack me because you want me to be embarrassed. Um, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You are not wrong. The shade. The, so much shade. My favorite scene uh, is from the first story. And it is the slow-mo shot that I literally was dying laughing at when he oh, cuts yeah. off his wife's head when she turns around. That is the And it kept movie. going to his face. And it was the most ridiculous face ever made in cinema history. It's also like he didn't stop. Yeah, I was like, why did he just sword? let go? the sword or whatever and it was just like it was just him keep swinging and i knew deep down i'm like you want to cut her fucking head off i yes exactly i was like this man never wanted to marry her maybe he's repressed or something i don't know but he's been my theory was that he's been waiting for years um when they went to that nice restaurant on the pier that appeared to be a boat i was thinking "Hmm, he probably was hoping that she'd trip up and fall over the edge and he'd be like oh "Oh, no it'd be like when they were the dogs were eating amy and they're all like peace out she did let's get rid of her it was the same thing with him i feel like he wanted that wonderful charming charismatic woman dead because he never wanted to marry her in the first place maybe he was pressured maybe he was in love with her brother and married her to get close to him i don't know but i feel like this is this is where that like oh i can't stop the swing came from Oh my god, I'm so sorry, guys. You guys saw that it was an accident. Also, that story, I was dying the whole story because I was thinking, I wish Exilia would go this far and this intricate for a surprise birthday party for me. I thought it was nice. Uh, But listen, in order for this plan to work out, they all had to drop thousands of tacks in the middle of the road knowing it would blow out two of this guy's tires. Also, they're like driving on like a cliff edge road. So they like hope he doesn't go off the cliff edge and that he would stop it right in front of that house. I oh like God. how it was also like all the tax and then he was just like, oh, let's wait for somebody else to come help us. Well, there's all these fucking tax. <laughs> yeah, like really? their tires are going to get flat too. Like <laughs> That is such a good point. Now I realize that my theory is correct and that all the friends knew that he didn't really love her and wanted her dead. (laughs) So they were hoping that the car would go off the road. Oh my God. This is, this is, no, that's the subtext of this whole segment. (laughs) Also, fun fact about that segment, I read that the house is actually four different houses. Like almost every scene they shot outdoors is a different house. And then they just pieced it together. That's true. You only see, um, like, the lion's share of it, like, over the trees once. And then the bottom of it is obscured by all the wood. So that's yeah. a very good point. So you can't really see the um, the landscape, as it were, until they're breaking in. But yeah, that was my favorite scene. Yeah, that was really funny. Here's a good question. So out of, I'm going to say the four stories, like... 
So that overarching story with the professor and then the three stories that they tell, like, did you guys have a favorite story? Did you feel one I was I kind of like them all. You like them all. Me too, but I do have a fondness for the Mark Helgenberger um, final story. Um, cut him again, cut it's... Him. Uh, well, I mean, the thing I liked about all of these stories, but especially that one, is that they all reminded me of, like, short stories that I would have written when I was, like, 14. Yeah. You know, just this little, like, quick, silly, um, insubstantial, like, punch where I just had, like, one scene and I was like, well, I'm gonna build a short story around this, like, one thing I want to write. So it'd be, like, Mrs., you know, being in her little room with the glass door getting creepy phone calls and it's like okay well i guess i have to build a story around this to put her in there and get her out of it um but i did really like that one also because it reminded me of this um old play that i read when i was in like junior high for a class called sorry wrong number i think it's kind of famous oh that's kind of interesting yeah and it's about it's kind of very vaguely similar and i think it was from like the 40s or something or the 50s and it was essentially like the cause coming from inside the house but like og (laughs) and um you know and it it involved an operator and this other woman and a creepy phone call and uh you know a death at the end and and it was very like atmospheric and uh spooky and it just really reminded me of that and i i always enjoyed that play growing up so i don't know maybe that's why i liked it i also would probably say that i thought the i thought the third one was the best like the third short story mostly because the first two i feel like weren't okay so i think there's a line and it's like oh these are like so scary because they're so realistic but then i felt like the first two weren't that realistic but um the third one kind of freaked me out because of my job that I've had for like a month and a half now I like without going into detail what I do but I like basically work with women that are like in abusive relationships so I find since I've worked started working there stuff like that is a lot scarier to me than it was prior so like and I'm like watching this guy and I'm like assessing his behaviors and it's just like oh so yeah stuff like that kind of affects me a lot more now and I found that with like the first Black Christmas as well yeah and I know for me like obviously my favorite scene was from the first one I really enjoyed the first one like Exilia like it's just it's close and dear to my heart like i I wouldn't mind chopping off Exilia's head, That's obviously. Nice. Fuck. <laughs> I joke, I joke. No, I, I really enjoy that one, but when I asked and Exilia said, like, I did enjoy all of them, and you guys both brought up good points. Like I like Mike said, I liked how they were really when you kinda brush everything aside, they were like very basic scary stories, yeah. like with kinda like the skeleton bones of older stories like you know the strange caller and the haunted, haunted house, house. Yep. and the even, rabid dogs that you yeah like, the rabid <laughs> dogs and you know like the the crazy dirty like homeless rapist man which yeah, you like you see true. in like older horror films and like I liked how I thought they just did a really great job that you know I, I'm not going into this movie expecting like hereditary you know like I so the, I thought they did a great job and I like the overarching story. Yeah. Before we get into that story, can I like kind of tell a short story? <laughs> so when um what's her name the one in CSI Mark Helgeberger yes yeah she's in the she's like has a broken foot or whatever and she's in the staircase and she falls down the stairs okay in and of itself isn't funny but when Rowan broke his ankle he was like doing rehab at the hospital before they sent him home and they for some reason decided that they would take him into the stairwell to like do (laughs) to like do rehab and teach him how to use his his crutches and nobody was supposed to like go in that stairwell but basically all the nurses like didn't want to use the other ones they used as a pass-through and so Rowan was like standing in front of the door getting ready to walk down the stairs in his crutches and this fucking nurse just like flings the door open (laughs) pushes him (laughs) over and that's all I could think about yeah, that's all I thought about. I'm, I'm glad I'm here for your amusement. <laughs> Rowan his shattered foot. <laughs> it was fucked. It was just like, it was like, in retrospect, it was really funny. But at the time, we're just like, what the fuck are you doing? 
I have a real serious question that I don't ask for any other movie other than this. Explain to me why you wouldn't take this class in university. Is this not like I would be enrolled in this in like 30 seconds? First of all, they said it's psychology 102. This would never be an introductory <laughs> psychology class. No, absolutely size... not. This would be at least a like third or third fourth year. Third to fourth seminar. year. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the fact that it was not in a bigger lecture hall. Like, I'm sorry. If it's that I popular, know. they are going to want to cram as many students in there as they can. They are going to exactly. like fucking milk that shit. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, please let me know where this university is that respects money of the students and doesn't <laughs> want to make it. And I said, even tenure has its limits. This guy, I don't think his practices would go over uh, especially well these days. Well, I'm saying, like, <laughs> I expect it at least be in third year before I have a professor pretend to blow his brains out <laughs> or pull it out. With, with full on, on yeah. like, um, yeah. exploding blood packets on the back of his head. <laughs> That guy was a freak. That guy, I literally, he, I was astro. I was like, does this guy have like a fear fetish or something? He's like weird. And then they end and it's, oh my God, it's just anyway. I mean, he's obviously like a serial killer who yes. just so happens to teach at a university. <laughs> but I also said like the weirdest people I know, kind of like the most fucked up people I know are like psychology professors are really into psychology. So. You're not wrong there. It's true. There's a lot of psychology professors that are like. Do weird shit. Uh, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, I will hesitantly agree with you. Yeah, if something happens, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just like psychology professors are weird people. And yes, of course, there's Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Let's just leave that there. <laughs> I also really enjoyed that once he got in trouble with the university, he decided to wear that sweater the next day. It was like the super like knitted. <laughs> preppy sweater with the collar coming out of it i was I'm like not i love... gonna lie i really wanted it <laughs> his sweater game like when i saw it i was like exilia probably wants all these sweaters she's taking mental images he, he's wearing the classic professor sweaters of all film ever rowan always says i have professor sweaters they're mostly cardigans though wool cardigans wool cardigans my entire closet is literally 90 percent Wool cardigans. <laughs> kind of like the one you're wearing right now. Yes, exactly. I'm literally wearing one as we as we speak. <laughs> and I'm looking at the pile of clothes on my floor and there's four in that, so that need to go and wash. <laughs> the moral of the story is Mike needs to do laundry. I do need to do laundry. I was going to and then I thought it would be too loud and it would come out on the podcast. So Good thinking. <laughs> Or maybe the listeners want to listen to you do laundry. I don't know. That might be a thing. Another sidecast. <laughs> listen yeah. to me wash the dishes. Listening to me do my laundry. It'll be like some weird sexual ASMR <laughs> I told thing. You, ASMR yeah. king right here. Like I will guide you. <laughs> I'll just like brush my teeth for four hours with <laughs> the microphone. I will say though that that the I thought the professor guy was like. I thought that actor did a really good job. Like, I thought he was so campy and, like, creepy campy. He was that so creepy. It was, like, really well played. I mean, he obviously didn't study any professors, like, before taking the job. But uh, I would definitely want him as a no, professor. No, even though he clearly didn't, he did do a very good job of whacking his wooden pointer against the blackboard very, like, forcefully and, like, psychology of fear. Whack. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I must emphasize. <laughs> Just every scene with him was good. And, like, the speech, like, when he's telling the class that he got in trouble and he's just like, some don't approve yeah, some, of my methods. That's like what Merwin's mom says. She's like, some people yeah. do this. I'm thinking, oh, you think? Like, you literally made a guy piss yeah. in your class. Also, you inflicted trauma by pretending to shoot somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people don't appreciate my bringing a gun <laughs> to campus, and uh... yeah, that's gonna be the tagline for this episode. Some people don't appreciate guns on campus. <laughs> might be controversial. Yeah, might be contra hot take. Yeah, hot take. Now come to my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. At night, whoever thought anything good would turn unsupervised? Out yes. Yeah, I also like that. <laughs> respect to 1989. I, I guess 
the foundation wasn't laid yet where the professor says, well, there's no rules that I can't invite all these kids to my undergraduates at that. Undergraduates, yeah. <laughs> undergraduates, I was going to say that. Yeah. In grad school during the strike, yeah. a professor like may or may not have held one or two. I didn't. Not my professor, not saying anybody, but may or may not have held one or two um, classes at her home. And like, I feel like that's a bit different if you're in grad school, but undergrads and like first years, maybe there's some boundaries there that shouldn't be crossed. I was in undergrad classes with like 17 year olds. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah, it's a little creepy. Unless you know, somebody real, like, in their like mid 20s is certainly different. capable of making a decision and setting a boundary and is going to have a closer working relationship with a professor anyway. Exactly. But yeah, I thought that was super. Super funny. Also, this guy's house was baller-rific. What we got to see of it. Exilia really enjoyed the furnace. Oh, yeah, I, it's so I was funny like, what the hell? Um, I was just thinking one of my other favorite parts of this movie almost has nothing to do with the movie at all. But it has to do with the fact that when he goes down to check the pilot light um, at the end, before yeah. they discover that um, the spectacularly beautifully mulleted man is, is in there... <laughs> It made me think of my absolute favorite joke of all time from the Golden Girls <laughs> about Dorothy having a pet bird made out of paper and Sophia one day killing it by using it to restart the pilot light. And every time I see a pilot light now, I think of the Golden Girls because <laughs> I'm demented. <laughs> so I'm like watching know. this horror movie and all I can think about is like, be Arthur, you know, and like <laughs> Betty White. and <laughs> exactly. I don't get it. Exilia didn't get it. I didn't get it. But Exilia also <laughs> had no idea what was going on with that furnace. Well, like, I've never seen anybody light a furnace with a match before. <laughs> Is it like a wood stove? I don't know. No, but anyway, it's fine. We're not going to get into the <laughs> sidecast number 19. Mecha- mechanics of... Mechanics furnaces. of old-fashioned furnaces. <laughs> like... Is that what they had at on Nightmare on Elm Street? No, no. that was that was that was, that was even real. more. That was like that was like a wood furnace, yes. like a wood stove. Yeah, essentially, yes, yeah. Yeah, this thing was weird. I've just never seen something like that before. I think we should also like talk about Mister Mullet Man, Mister I pee my pants in class, and who hasn't? Like, dude, get the over mullet it. was spectacular. It the was, mullet it was, was spectacular. Beautiful. It was actually beautiful. Like, I I want to know who did the hair for that movie because you need You're a you need a 30 year retroactive race like it's he was just so angry he so was angry with he's life. just like so like it's like that masculinity like also that, like, i'd like to know how he came up with that whole plan like i didn't really get the plan it was like i'm gonna hang him by his feet and then light a circle of fire and then kind of spin him like a pendulum yeah well, it was almost like some like you'd be torturing a witch in like the 1700s right like <laughs> he's gonna make him throw i was like this guy definitely doesn't seem smart enough to figure this out i'm just gonna put that out there i like how then the teacher was like oh you were too afraid to do it and then just fucking like kills them <laughs> That's creepy. I was really expecting, I thought maybe that would be the end, and I thought maybe he would get up, and then it'd be like, oh, this was all part of the class. No. But no, that didn't happen. I also like that, like, when they lit the fire, and then they went to the point of view where he's, like, hanging, and it's, in like, in the fire, the ring is, like, substantially larger. (laughs) Yeah, it was- Obviously for safety reasons. Yes, the- the Attention to detail of, like, safety protocols in this movie is, um, just completely, like, rigorous. Um, the whole time I was watching, or re-watching, I should say, the second segment, when they go in the, like, like the gas station in that warehouse, I was like, so did Wemyss not exist yeah. <laughs> in the 80s? Because <laughs> no. I was like, there's all these fucking flammable barrels of chemicals just like with no Chilling. lids on them. They're not labeled. Yeah. Like <laughs> she's just tipping it over. Like Also, if you drive by that gas station, what in the world would make you think that is a running gas running. station? There was no lights or anything. There was like one half like light flickering on like the building is literally collapsing and they're like yeah this is a good place to get gas and then they went in as if someone was gonna be in there it's like this is obviously an abandoned gas gas station station. well there was somebody in there they were right (laughs) yeah yeah technically true (laughs) fine 
fine. Oh my god. But I mean, it's it's not just the Wemyss <laughs> details that make that segment problematic. It is all sorts of... Uh, <laughs> like, we could actually probably spend an entire episode with, um, you know, the, like, sociological issues happening in that segment, but we won't. It's true. It's, like, those fucking privileged white suburban girls in the, like, derelict fucking, neighborhood. Fucking, like, run down. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I do want uh, to also talk about where I think the film excels in being, as we classify, a trash film. Of the absurdity of this, like, the end and the... So throughout this movie, we're, they're hinting at she's, like, psychic. I know, that's and... what I was like, is she psychic? But they don't really ever, like, go out on a limb and say that. Also, like, some sort of portal opening at the end where, like, she's being sucked into it, but there's no explanation of why, what's going on. They're like, she's we gotta get rid of Pam Adlon. Just... <laughs> Open up all Yeah, all of a sudden, like, people are just, like, flying in the air. <laughs> oh, yeah. that I was like, where's the wind coming from? Like, what's <laughs> happening? And then what I absolutely adored was the professor just becoming a skeleton. Oh, which was yeah. clearly the skeleton from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, I'm just saying. They definitely, like, rummaged through the, like, effects. Yeah, they were like, we borrow that skeleton. Yeah. And also, speaking of Nightmare on Elm Street links... The whole, like, you know, her getting, like, pulled into the portal and, like, you know, them, like, holding hands. Yeah. That, that, that literally straight out of their screenplay for Nightmare on Elm Street 4 when she gets pulled out of the seat in the theater and into the movie. Like, yeah. Literally well, just, they rip themselves off. <laughs> and people are going to think I'm ragging on it. Like. Oh, it's not a rag. I was having, I was having a lot of fun. <laughs> like, and she's, like basically being pulled into every story and like we have like yeah, i like that part. the head rolling down which i i loved because when it does the first shot of just the head there motionless you can see the actress is like moving her eyes yeah. and her eyelids and i love when i see things like that just the skeleton the stop motion i was just like oh i love that look that stop motion i feel like, like it what was the stop motion intentional though or is it just like the graphics back then i mean i would say that they didn't have a budget for anything else i don't think they had a budget period <laughs> yeah like so i'd say that's what they were getting but i mean i thought it i just thought it goes into overdrive. You're like, this is absolutely insane. What is going on? But I was having fun. But it is like, interesting I... because it, it it's this like just zero to 60 fucking like sharp turn because the rest of the stories all kind of follow his theme in his class of like, you have to believe that it could happen. And even though they're kind of yeah. stupidly not very realistic, they're not... They are in a way in that it's, there's no like supernatural elements or yeah. anything like that. It's all like people stumbling into the wrong side of town as problematic as that shit is. Or like, you know, somebody playing a prank that goes horribly wrong. Like these are things that do happen or could happen. And same thing, you know, the, the stalker, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it goes from like, you know, him saying this is like, fear is most powerful because you believe it could happen and then it's this over the top like fucking psychic dream skeletons rising like necromant like what the <laughs> fuck right like it's just it just takes such a fucking sharp turn into like completely over the top absurdity and i'm just like it's such a it's a choice it is a bold fucking choice i might not understand it but goddamn i respect it <laughs> and then we got like the great you know the great ending that like it all makes sense that does ex machina ending i like is when i read about it it told me that was the kind of ending it was and every time i see that word i forget what it means even though i know what it means i just never remember what it means what does it mean what are you talking about <laughs> you uneducated swan <laughs> The Deus Ex Machina. It's like Latin. Yes. I was say, it's Latin. It's, it's Latin. <laughs> or as I say, Deus Ex Machina, because... Listen, it's... You uncultured swan. I'm uncultured and can't pronounce anything. What is, so what, what does it mean? 
It's like when your something story happens that like, resolves the story and ties up the loose ends, and um, oh, like okay. just comes out of nowhere, and it, it it was not hinted at, or it has nothing to do with what came previous. Like it's just something that arrives and saves the day, like, or oh, ties I up the story. It. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it. I read I it, it has like a weird history too. Like it has something to do with like God and stuff. And it's yes, it usually means meaning. a God comes down and saves the day, essentially. So it's like the ending. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get she it. got a premonition. Yes, it's it a, it's a very movie. very um like the the concept of it goes you know back to like classical times, right? Right. So if you have that premonition, are you and going in theater, to, like, it's literally class? like they would literally lower them down, right? Like a god would descend on ropes. <laughs> of course. Um, would I go to that class after you've had that premonition? Uh, Fuck yeah. Oh yeah, I I'd be like, uh, I'm gonna see this skeleton. Fuck yeah. I don't know. Also, the kids were like far scared. Like they were really scared of these stories more than I think they should have been. I think that if I, I think that if I had have had that premonition and then went to that first class and like had seen that. It was the start of my premonition. I'd be like, fuck no, I'm not going to this guy's house. Like, I'd probably go, maybe it'll be different this time. <laughs> you guys are all have fear fetishes. Absolutely. This We're is, getting freaky. The psychology of fear, man. We got it. We got it bad. It's a, it's a bad case. After midnight, is it scary? Exilia. Okay, as like dumb as it was, I think some things are kind of like freaky yeah no i agree like for a kind of like as i said before like no budget um yeah probably very hastily written and produced cable outing that people probably only saw at like (laughs) one in the morning or whatever it was it had its creepy moments and had some atmosphere and like the story i liked all the stories you know even though they had the problems and there's lots of plot holes and stuff but like I don't know. I just thought that they they had good mood and uh, like a creepy atmosphere. I agree. As we reflect, as I said earlier, that it's almost, you know, a year that we've done this podcast. I really want the listeners to understand the the transformation in Exilia's tastes as we've been on this journey. (laughs) What? If we had to watch this two years ago... Exilia would have been like, what the fuck is this? And I just love that your appreciation of trash has like really grown. I always liked it. She she's always just been paint, into trash. Yeah, you guys just you just like paint me as like this like, oh I only like I was gonna know. say, don't you guys me, not all men. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rowan always like paints me as this like oh I only like like highbrow film or some shit like no not at all. <laughs> Has he ever looked at like some of the art that you've put up in your various abodes <laughs> over the years? Like clearly I you know. have a taste for trash. Like yeah, catchy stuff. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate it because where we have to review it. Like if I had bought this movie and we didn't have to review it and we didn't have this podcast, Exilia would have literally just looked me in the eyes and been like what the fuck are you doing with your life <laughs> why i mean i do that anyway to you so. i do but i love it i love i love that you're coming down to our level a little bit <laughs> okay. Every, april fool's day was the day it was the change that was, it was the turn of the time ground zero right there <laughs> was april fool's day so i thank the gods for april fool's day I'll have to go back and listen to that episode. And, um... Uh, well, and you're gonna watch it again soon, because oh hopefully, like me, everyone's putting their pre-order in for the Scream the Factory. special edition, of course. Special edition. Beautiful I, artwork, beautiful gowns. Yeah, I love it. I don't know if I'm prepared to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we will be having a special Skype date and getting hammered and watching it. I didn't even answer the question, so I, I don't think it's scary, but I think it's fun. I think I, I thought it was it's fun. I I definitely wasn't scared. Uh, I don't even know if I was younger if I would find this scary. But it is a great like Mike had said before, like kind of a great kind of on television. If it was on television, like you'd watch it. Cool little horror flick. I think Mike, did you find the third story scary? Um, I used to have um issues with <laughs> like being scared when I was like by myself because I'd always be picturing similar things happening, like people trying to bust in and attack me. So I found that one scariest of all of them, only because yeah, it, you know she's so helpless, and that's uh, and it made me think about people who might have like disabilities and stuff, and how like you know they're trapped. They, yes, well, I mean, you know how <laughs> how maybe the system and like staircases and stuff. 
uh, failed him. So it yeah. did it did prompt like lots of lots of thoughts in me about how nurses opening doors. Can... <laughs> yeah, but like in like and I like have similar work experience as well. So like that I find scary. So I think it kind of comes back to every movie that we review that you can like somehow identify with in real life you're like oh like that's scary absolutely yeah you're right yeah i agree with that rowan hasn't had that experience yet. yeah i haven't had that experience yet working so, alone overnight in a creepy place where people call you <laughs> maybe uh i have been looking at changing careers into a uh overnight uh sex phone worker so <laughs> oh my God. maybe people always say you have a nice voice 976 evil yeah, I'm thinking uh, more like what was it like one eight 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 like Grapevine. I'll probably oh, catch yeah. you on there. Oh yeah, Grapevine. Remember the ads overnight on like cable TV growing up? Um, you don't remember those? Maybe those were bad. I don't know. And it would be like a girl walking out of a pool. Oh and it was, like, yes, and they'd go on and it'd be like shit. a full half hour, like an infomercial yes. almost. But it was just and a- they they would basically try to promote that it was it wasn't people it was only people that called in and it was like a group conversation of people that called in, but they'd be like, sexy women are also <laughs> calling in to find, find a hunk of a man okay, like yeah, you. yeah, I totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, you're right, you're right. I totally forgot about that too. So are we ready to get into the rating of this? Absolutely. All right. Mike, you do the honors. It was your pick. Okay. Obviously, you know, it had problems and it's not technically a good movie, but I thought it was kind of charming and the set pieces that they set up for each of the stories were fun and, you know, kind of like simple and classic. So I gave it a solid yay. Very nice. Very nice. And I just feel like it's the type of movie that they don't really make that much anymore. And yeah. um, yeah, I appreciate you, you that. You definitely don't see this yeah. anymore. Exilia. I thought it was like really enjoyable, actually. I kind of really liked it i'm surprised Um, and very glad i i will give it a yay wow wow uh i also like i said i had so much fun with it like especially in i think the the day and age when you're watching like new horror like the last you know i'd say like five to ten years like this kind of horror isn't really appreciated as much anymore where like it's fun it's funny uh, and it's just meant to have a good time. I also gave it a yay. Yeah, I think you can watch this by yourself. I think it's a great movie if you're with people. I think this would be really fun to, like, we always talk about, like, drink and watch. And usually we say that when we give it a bad rating. But I think this is, like, fun, period. Uh, but yeah, yay, yay's all around for uh, After Midnight. A triple yay. I will say, going into this, I did not... Ex- like, before I'd seen it, I'm like, there's no way this is gonna be any higher than an okay. Yeah. Fair. I mean, especially if you watch the trailer before watching the, <laughs> the movie. Trailer. <laughs> yeah, when I watched the trailer, I was just like, hmm... <laughs> But it's a pleasant surprise. So it is that time of the budget game. <laughs> Jesus. So we will start with what it costs. Exilia, what do you think it costs to make this film? Um, $250,000. Exilia is coming in at $250,000. For once, <laughs> for once, I'm not highballing it. I'm going to, I'm going to embarrass X now and say... Fifty or sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> Fifty or sixty thousand dollars. If the rules allowed me to, I'd make you both lose. But Exilia is the closest. Uh, it costs three million dollars to make. What? What did they spend the three million dollars on? That skeleton. They spent a million dollars busting into New Line Cinemas. Effects closet for that fucking skeleton. <laughs> they had they had to hire somebody to pretend to be a janitor for like seven months to steal that skeleton. <laughs> now, one thing I didn't bring up uh, while we were talking about the film that I should have. Great. No, I was just gonna briefly mention uh, one of the students was wearing a real kick-ass concrete comic t-shirt who is from Dark Horse Publishing, kind of not popular whatsoever. And I was like, that's kind of like weird that she'd be wearing the shirt of a 
comic character that was only popular for literally like two weeks. And uh, I actually read that the production designer of this film was the writer and artist and creator of Concrete. Oh, that's cool. So there was... There's actually like a comic book artist as a production designer on this. What do you Did think? Did that like put the budget up by three million? No, I don't think that had okay. anything to do. I just okay. <laughs> I thought that was a cool little fact. So what do you think it made? Okay, was this in the theater? Uh, I don't know. I think it probably. I would guess it probably got some sort of limited release. Limited, limited release. release. I would say maybe it made. A hundred thousand dollars. A hundred thousand dollars. I'm gonna go. For 99,000, Alex. <laughs> or Bob, whoever it is hosting this <laughs> awful non-existent game show. 99,000, he said. So, Mike is gonna take it. <laughs> so it made... I'm the asshole betting a dollar, X, you know that. Yep. <laughs> it made $76,329 at the box office. That was office. quite a loss. Yeah. So, I would definitely say it was a... Uh, Flop. <laughs> I, I would think this probably most of its plays were like drive-in, like late night. That would be a sweet movie to see in the drive-in. And we keep, I was thinking while we watched this, me and Exilia keep talking about how we want to get a hold, like there's an independent theater here in Wolfville in Nova Scotia. And like you can, there's people that put on nights where they show films. And we were like saying like we should try like a couple times a year or something or once or twice a year to like, do a movie. Do a It Slays podcast night with a horror film. And I thought while I was watching this, I'm like, what a good film this would be for exactly. the theater. It is a real, like, kind of drive-in classic. Yeah. Yeah. Like We also actually have a drive-in here, but it's very family-friendly. So... They probably wouldn't like family do not belong together. Would... Yeah. No, it's like, it's like very family-oriented. So yeah, it probably... It Slays podcast might not be featured there anytime soon. Yeah, Probably not. Uh, so I think that's everything, but we do need to announce our uh, next review. So our next review, uh, not only are we going to be revisiting something, but we are also going to have a special guest. Uh, we're going to have our near and dear friend Brittany on. Uh, she's super funny. and She's the Olivia Hussey one. She is the Oliv- Olivia Hussey that we discussed in the Black Christmas episode. As yeah. long as I'm Margot Kidder. That's right. <laughs> Mike will always be Margot Kidder. I'm the house mother. Okay, so Rowan is Andrea Martin then. <laughs> I'm Billy. Oh, you're Billy. Yes, that's Ooh, right. It's creepy. You're the girl with the plastic on her head up in the attic. <laughs> Claire. Claire, yes. No, you're Claire's dad. <laughs> Yes, that is exactly who I am. So we will be reviewing last year's Midsommar. We did do a short, short uh, episode. Like it was only 10, 15 minutes when me and Exilia saw it in the theater. But we're actually, since it's out on blu-ray and dvd and you can stream it that kind of stuff it's time it gets the proper it slays treatment and we really deep dive into it and you know with the combination of mike and britney sassy central i was gonna say i was i was missing from this last episode so i'll make up for it and i believe that is everything for us so we will uh see you guys or we will be talking to you guys in two weeks from now so i think that is everything as always i am your humble host rowan bye it's exilia and it's mike (laughs) 